Get high. Tyrion. Party on. Excellent. This is the Get High Tyrion collection. Oh, yeah, you got to do the little solo. You got to do solo as well. The Get High Tyrion collection. It's the podcast where we review stoner films. Only stoner films. Don't ask us to review anything else. It's the movie for sweet flicks, bong rips, movie lovers, and doobie brothers. I am your host, Tommy. And... Eloise, my co-host, is not here again. This is the second month in a row, but we have a special guest, Jimmy. Say hello, Jimmy. Nice to see you. And uh, as can guess by the little entrance we're looking at, Wayne's World. The, party time. Yeah, party time. It is the, this year, it's the 30, 30 years of Wayne's World. True, right. 30 years. Wow, I didn't think about that. And it is still just as popular. We are literally living in Wayne's world. Wayne, there's Wayne living in our world, man. So, uh, before I get into this, uh, what, like, uh, expertise do you think you bring to the matter of discussing Wayne's world? Because I think loads of people think they know. I think they know. You, you. Stood, I was like asking around, who, who knows about Wayne's World, and you boldly said Loves. it was you. Yeah. I, I love Wayne's World. I saw Wayne's World for the first time when I was like, I want to say like fourteen or fifteen. You know, my my friends, they were like, yeah, Wayne's World is fun, whatever. And you'd always heard about it, but it always mm. was like when we were younger, it was taboo. I grew up in a very conservative house so it was very much taboo for me it was one of those very like early i didn't even know snl existed but oh, yeah, i've yeah. but i just i love movies in general so like i watch a lot of them i watch, i've watched wayne's world thousands of times so like and i watched it again last night just to make sure so i hope i hope i'm as uh, familiar with it as i appear as i think i am but i think well, i, I, think I did not watch wayne's world until i was um, adult, I think, like just leaving college. Really? Yes. And when I was a kid, Wayne's World was as a phenomenon after the film came out. It was everywhere. There was like video games on the Nintendo. There was like, it was really popular. I was like asked, mm. I think my, my mom did not ban me from seeing it. I was like, oh, do you want to see it? And I said, no. <laughs> Why? Oh, you want it to be uh, edgy, right? The, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like screw those guys. <laughs> it's a very simple like way of like being edgy when it's you're going like, against the grain. When you're ten, is you just identify <laughs> something as being a thing. I was ten. I thought Wayne and Garth were hippies. <laughs> I did not know <laughs> what a metalhead was, so I thought <laughs> Wayne and Garth were hippies. <laughs> Can I can I be realistic? When I was watching it yesterday, and they were like, "Oh, it's a heavy metal bar." I'm listening to Crucial Thought. Crucial Thought. Yeah, Crucial Thought. Listening to them, I'm like, "This isn't heavy metal. This is hard rock." Yeah. You know, but still, it was '92. You know, it was safe metal for the time to put into a to put into a movie. I mean, a lot of like the, the glam metal bands that uh, this is kind of like uh, they call back to with Wayne's World. Cause they, they're kind of like out of time characters. They were kind of like hard rock influenced with uh, just yeah. like brilliant solos and stuff. 
was perfect for the time because you yeah. couldn't put like Metallica on there for a PG-13 show because people were still going crazy over the PMRC and Tipper Gore and all that crap. Yeah, pretty much. So, um, you know, I'd just like to get off like a few facts about uh, Wayne's World before we like get on. I always like to look at the Rotten Tomatoes score. Oh, man. Love Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. So, <laughs> film came out in 92, which is 30 years from now. So, yeah. yeah. So. Fresh, the critics' rating is 79%. Very, like, a good for a comedy. I've reviewed a yeah. lot of films on this that have had terrible ratings i looked at dude where's my car last week uh, last month oh man that car that car that movie was it was it was good but it was it was objectively a bad movie but it was fun to watch it's it's not good in the way that wayne's world is good yes wayne's world is a beautifully crafted work of art dude where's my car is like a great comedy for the time and a great comedy that kind of comes with the times, but it's not as yeah. iconic. Wayne's World's uh, audience score, this is like, mm. like 250,000 plus ratings, 84%. So audiences love it just a little more than critics did. Mm. That's fair enough. Uh, this is a massively successful film. I believe it's uh, the second Saturday Night Live film. Before that uh, was the first. Uh, Blues Brothers was a Saturday Night Live. Uh... Right, right. But I think by that point, John Belushi had also like done movies and was like in Hollywood. Wayne's World uh, launched Mike Myers. I think that was his movie debut, like as a as a leading man. Yeah, they're kind of like taking like a chance. Cause, yeah, uh, Belushi had been an Animal House, and yeah, and then um, oh, it was. Dan Aykroyd was also in it. A lot of star power with him at the time Blues Brothers came out. So Blues Brothers was kind of set when it came out. You knew people were going to watch it. Wayne's World was, like you said, just throw it in the pan, see if it cooks. You know? Uh, both films set in Illinois. Oh, that's right. I haven't seen the Blues Brothers in at least 10 years. Mm. I've been on a lot of, like, crime movies. Also, I believe... Uh, I don't know what the budget for uh, the Blues Brothers was, but considering how many like police cars they smashed, I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up. I'm gonna assume it's a little higher than Wayne's World. I think I think that was like I think is it still the biggest car uh, car chase scene to date? I think they tried to top it for the Blues Brothers sequel. Oh. <laughs> so. Looking, the Blues Brothers budget is around like 30 million. How much wow. is in cop cars? How much is in coke? We don't know. <laughs> so yeah, it tops uh, Wayne's World by a little bit, but because Wayne's World's budget was 20 million US dollars, mm. and that and was 92 as opposed to when did Blues Brothers come out? I believe that it's came something. out in. Uh, let me get this clear. 1980. Okay, yeah, so $3 million that, or $30 million then was worth yeah. a lot more than $30 million so a Wayne's World made $183.1 US dollars. Wow. 
Yeah, and it's the highest grossing film for Penelope uh, Spheris, the director. Um, you are familiar with the, uh, Penelope Spheris' work? Not offhand. I watched a lot when I was younger, but I, I didn't start paying attention to directors until way after I'd kind of watched a lot of movies in that vein. So if I were to go back and look, I might know some of the things I've seen. Well, apart from uh, Wayne's World, the main things that she's famous for are the Decline in Western Civilization documentary series. Mm -hmm. Loved it. So obviously, the first one covered like uh, punk. Second mm -hmm. one covered uh, glam and heavy metal. And uh, I think she was around like 35, 36. And she actually like made uh, the Decline in Western Civilization films. There, and they were they were well done. It's cool to see somebody who can do doc, who can do documentaries and also do feature films. Because yeah, realistically, you don't see many directors who can change over. And she made like films before. They're also like very like subculture, youth orientated. Like there was a Suburbia, a okay. very like a gritty like a movie about like punk rock runaways. Uh, famous for starring like uh, actual punks, including Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love Flea and everything he does. And uh, I think uh, because of the nature of like these like stoner films, a lot of like mainly like two male leads. So when we have like uh, a non-male director, it's kind of like a, a big deal. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah out especially the... that way around too, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. She uh, turned down Spinal Tap. Oh, did she? Yeah. Oh, man. She, she would have done Spinal Tap. He's... She thinks heavy metal's no, like, laughing matter. This is her sellout film. She, like, calls oh. it. This is, she says, this is me, like, uh, this is me being a sellout, selling out to Lorne Michaels. <laughs> At least she knows it. Yeah. I mean, uh... It's just, like, something, like... It's just a very different structure for... Uh, well, for everyone involved, like you said, uh, Mike Myers, what other, like, you said he'd not done I know. films before this. Well, he hadn't done anything leading. I was looking into it, and I believe I saw a few, like, a few side, uh, a, a few, like, side roles, or, sorry, like, um, supporting roles, but nothing ever being, like, a leading man. This old TV stuff before this. I'm looking at his yeah. uh, filmography now. Wayne's World, yeah, the literal like first one, then like uh, Wayne's World Two, and so I married an axe murderer. Ah, right. Okay. Mm. And then it was Austin Powers in '97, so he didn't work in movies for a while after that. Yeah. So it was kind of a flash in the pan, and then he left. Then he came back with, you know, lightning in a bottle, as it were. I think that he like uh, he made those films on like Wayne's World Two, and the other ones uh, in a bit of a rush. Yeah, Wayne's World was 92, and I think Axe Murderer, did it say Axe Murderer and 2 were like 93, 94? Let's Something look like up uh, Dana Carvey. Dana Carvey had a... Uh, yeah, he'd been in like some more like movies. He was like a no stranger to films. So, mm -hmm. so let's get into it. Let's get into uh, Wayne's World, the actual movie itself. Um, the very first shot that you see... It's an advert. Always. You gotta have the ad before the movie. But advertising runs through the very veins of this film. 
is like massively like just about like advertising and like how you speak to people. Uh, the very shot Noah's Arcade. You get to see a, the background of like some the very first Sonic game. I think is playing. I believe the background. so. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. It's great. And actually, the DVD menu is a. Um, did you? I hate to say. Did you guys have over there? But was there like, um, like the uh, the channel guide for us was channel fourteen, and it would just slowly like go up the list of channels and tell you what was playing right then. And then that goes into the, you know, play movie screen, which is also kind of interesting. I just, I thought it was a nice little uh, addition to the whole vibe of the movie. Mm. So like uh, you said, advertising and they play ads. Usually on those channels, they play ads over the mm. top. Yeah. Cause you know, it's got like a, well, from what I gathered from this opening scene, Wayne's world is like, you got like a, Rob Lowe's character Benjamin and his like uh, his hookup just flicking through channels and Wayne's World is the first thing that is not an advertisement and they go through like what the yeah. Chia Pets the Clapper all this <sighs> like uh, mm -hmm. and that terrible Floby ripoff <laughs> but that was when they start when they started the show the um, the suck cut it was just this horrendous Floby ripoff and I never realized it until I watched it this time. <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing, like, Wayne's World, they're not above, like, having people, like, uh, go onto their guests with their products and stuff, but they're kind of, like, subversive, subversive about it, like, um, from, like, if you had to, like, uh, if Wayne's World was, like, a real TV show, what would you say was, like, the value of it? What you, If you had to say what the appeal of it would be, like, judging from, like, your sketches and... I think... At least at the time for 92, I was a year old, but I think, I think I would watch it because it seems like something that would have been so different, you know, on TV from back then, you know what I mean? Just people not trying to sell anything to you. They're not trying to like, you know, push a product. They're not trying to, you know, please somebody else. They're doing what they like and they got what they like on TV. So they bring in the people they want to bring in. They're not, yeah. you know, masters to anybody. So it's very kind of like Eric Andre. It's very free flowing and you mm. can see anything on there with more formulaic shows. You kind of know what to expect. Wayne's world. I think if it were a real show that went on, you like, like you'd with assume the medium with the different cameras. Oh and yeah. Stuff. Yeah. They do a whole bunch. It, honestly, like we said before we started this, it would be, you know, Eric Andre, but 30 years ago. Yeah. You know, you can see anything on there. You have no idea what to expect. It's exciting. And I'd say, like, uh, kind of the appeal of this was a real show is, uh, and this is discussed in the movie, uh, Wayne and Garth are kind of like, if you're teen to young adult, they're kind of like what Polly Shore might have been around the time. Yeah, I'm serious. He's a, the he's a the master Polly Shore. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a peer. Yeah. And he kind of like, you know, like, Wayne and Garth are always like bagging on the adults, all of like the straight ladies people. So this guy has got this. They're product. ageless. They're ageless, but they encompass that gap of like teenage to young adult. They could be any age, really. It within yeah. that. Within that. Uh, during the sketch, they kind of like subtly like age up. I think they're supposed to be like in the high school when the sketch starts. So the fact that you know they're like metal heads and they're kind of like, like I said, out of time slightly yeah. because they're not 
quite with what's called. They're not like um, they're still underground. They're not attached to like a, a particular like mainstream trend. I mean, Bill and Ted, Beavis and Butthead, they're like metal heads, but they're all just like slightly behind what's popular. Like yeah, like Beavis and Butthead's a perfect example. It's still focuses on the main, even though they're like you said, they're out of the mainstream they focus on it which is i think that happens a lot more in film and media than like people who are a time behind and they just they they stay behind the whole time they're not trying to catch up with what's popular they like what they like and as their likes progress they progress they don't they're not like you know seeking what's popular to try and pull themselves toward you know where they are now it's a it's a very like Gen X attitude of like uh, observing, but like not like really being attached to it. Yeah, yeah. So they can like yeah. they, don't, they don't care if uh, any suck cuts get sold at the end of the day. Exactly, they just like to see Dana Carvey get his hair pulled. You know? yeah. And I say that like uh, Rob Lowe's character Benjamin, he like uh, is clearly not interested in them he sees a spot of tv that doesn't have an advertising doesn't have adverts in and he's like okay trying to micro target this to their audience and then like uh how can we make money on it yeah oh yeah that's the first question you get asked when you come out of the womb over here yeah (laughs) welcome to the world here's some debt how are you gonna make money (laughs) Oh yeah, I forgot that. It's literally true there because uh, you have to pay to have kids there. Oh my god, I know. Do you know how much an ambulance costs over here? Ten bucks? <laughs> At least a few hundred. At the very least a few hundred. What do they do? Wow. Do they make you split gas with the paramedics? <laughs> You'd think, right? Is that, is that what that is? is no, each... So, nah, it's just, it's, I call it a fuck you fee. <laughs> That's really all it is. It's like overdraft fees. It's just, yeah. you know, hey, hey, where's your money? Fuck you. Come on. <laughs> fuck you, pay me. Yeah. But anyway, we could go on about that. And, you know, Wayne's days World. And you know, Wayne's World's a cheap show. Like, you see there. Mm-hmm. They got, like, equipment that's all, like, covered, like, their band stickers. It's all, like, sparking out. I guess it's implied yeah. that Garth salvaged and repaired and made this equipment. Yeah. see him always working on his like little like, electronic doodads and stuff. Some like tech stuff, yeah. And a lot of these people, uh, you know, they're kind of like the Gen X slackers if they're not, uh, if, they, if they are employed, they're like, you know, frontline of like the uh, service industry, which is... yeah. More common and more relevant now, like more people like uh, are in like the service industry, like well up everywhere, and well up into like adulthood, rather than being portrayed as just a young adult thing. Like, yeah, it's it, it's it's wild how that works out. Because like even that one guy at the uh, at the guitar shop, the music store, he looked just like just yeah. like the other supporting yeah. characters, just dressed a little better. You know? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. The uh, guy Phil, who you always see like uh, partied out, 
Wait, yeah. wait, nudge, nudge. He's You're partied like, out, man. <laughs> Again. He's the guy who works in the uh, mechanics. Right, 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 right. Okay. So I always, I have some trouble, like, seeing characters in different places when it's such a stark change. I knew I recognized them, but, like, I, I didn't put it together. Well, that's like... My eyes are also terrible, so face blindness. When you're like, uh, oh, well, I was going to say, because they're metal heads. So if you just read it, They all look the same. <laughs> no, but if you swap out the metal head clothes, you could just be like, is that a different person? That's true. The way I dress at work and the way I dress outside of work, like, I had, I had a friend of mine um, who saw me at my job, you know, lockdown shirt, you know, khakis, whatever. And then he saw me at the open mic we went to, and I had, you know, my jacket on, my tight pants and all that. He goes, case management yeah i saw you this morning and then he just he didn't recognize me when he walked in the building he walked right past me i didn't see him so i was having a conversation but is he just told me he's like didn't i see him it's wild when like I, how just this clothing style changes the whole thing when i had a mohawk i would be invisible if i wore a hat i can see that people who i knew yeah. just like oh, where'd he go yeah because it's it's something it's it's bright it's defining you know when you're wearing joe six-pack clothes mm. joe six-pack looks the same you know right, well that's good to that's good to know i think i'll look for it yeah because this is about like subcultures and stuff like that um mm. kind of like a unique thing about this film well i think it's like more unique at the time is that like um you know wayne talks to the camera Mm-hmm. It's not clear if he's talking to like the, if a documentary has been made about his life, or he's just talking to the whole audience. Breaking are the you third wall. To be a cameraman, or are you just his friend? He kind of addresses you as all of those things in different. Ways. I think it kind of, it kind of gives the vibe that the whole film is part of the show. Yeah, and and that's kind of, that's the way I see it. And also, they allude that they like. Because it's a bit like um, what they call lampshade hanging, fourth wall breaking. They like to fourth wall men- breaking. I don't know why I said third wall. <laughs> they like to mention like that they're in like a film. Yeah, mention with that. the the whole scene with the advertise the whole scene with the uh, the sponsorships with the Pizza Hut and the the new Coke and all that stuff. We'll talk about that yeah. a bit later because that's kind of like yeah. a, a big. Well, it's kind of like one of the big, like, the big break in it, yeah. In the film, but they kind of like act like they're making the film for you to entertain you as they're going along. Yeah, and I do find it a little ironic that like a film that was supposed to be about like this low budget local access show has like sponsorship by all these really, really, really big brands. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it's like if you if you think about it, um, what's what's his name again rob Lowe. i always know the actor i always know the actor's name uh, benjamin yeah. benjamin's like thinking about funneling big money into this show you know in the end it doesn't work out but hypothetically if it had worked out it had gotten picked up by bigger 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 stations yeah wayne's world would essentially have those kind of sponsors if it still would succeed at that that large of a that large of a scale because uh, the current target uh, sponsor is just like one guy the Noah, Noah Vanderoff, Noah's Arcade, um, who 
they're portrayed as kind of like uh it's basically treated as kind of like a a low stakes like casino for like a young adult kids. kids isn't it yes. yeah like it's a casino for kids like they mentioned stuff like the games being rigged and oh yeah how <laughs> well that's just, how it is it is but yeah. he just sees them as like just like coming up walking up putting money and just feeding it quarters like he said compares them to like laboratory rats he just like <laughs> push a button for a bit of like endorphin mm-hmm Hey man, it it worked. the The arcade industry boomed for a long time before, like like that, before it really did. And that's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. It's just keep them coming back, give them just enough, and keep them just keep them pumping quarters. Yeah, like you said just like gambling. I think the character uh, the character himself, Noah, is like not even like um, doesn't even have a particular like love of video games apart from the money. Yeah, uh, you notice you notice that too, because like. Especially the music industry had that thing where back back in like the 60s and 70s, all these things were succeeding because it was, you know, older people just throwing things at the wall and thinking what sticks. They knew that they didn't know. They knew that, you know, they didn't know what was in. Then when the younger like the younger generation started coming in, they got more selective. So he's part of like that old that, you know, old school of yeah, put it in. If they pay for it, they pay for it. If they like it, they like it. If they don't take it out, put something else in. Yeah, he didn't really care. Like you said, it was about the money. He didn't care what he sold, as long as he sold it. Like um, excess CDs of records at the time in America that didn't sell, they actually got like loaded into ships as ballast and sent over to England. Did they really? Yeah, which oh, is why they got this weird uh, scene called Northern Soul in England. Northern, and it entirely. And that's that's kind wild of one to of the think. first like a uh, club like uh, subcultures, and, and that's crazy to think since you know the, you think of the British invasion and everything, and you know there's all these huge bands coming out of the UK, and there's you know, <laughs> all these kids listening to New Soul, which ba- like ship ballast, like you said. Mm, yeah, it's it's interesting. I never knew that. So. Um, so. And I want to talk about now about kind of like um, the Wayne and Garth are from the suburbs, the American suburbs. Mm. Aurora is an hour's drive from Chicago. It doesn't have like a. I'm assuming it's not as, it's not as famous as Chicago. So it probably doesn't have like the scenes yeah. and various things. It's a suburb. It's probably of Chicago. I think it's mostly famous because of Wayne's World. Yeah. And um, the suburbs. No offense in, to Aurora. <laughs> the suburbs in America are intensely uh, designed for cars. I grew up in the suburbs. Oh yeah. Yeah. Couldn't, so, couldn't get anywhere. So people like Wayne and Garth, you had to have like your your friend with a car or whatever. You just drive around and mm. it's kind of go back and forth between like the same place every Friday. Most of the events in this take are explicitly described as taking place on a Friday. Mm-hmm. Friday's the only day of the week. They're always like driving around in the, the mirth mobile, picking up their friends, <laughs> going to the same place. Even the party that ones. Going to the donut, well, they mm-hmm. go to the donut store, they go to uh, the club and are at the mm-hmm. mercy of whatever band the might gap. be there. What, if they're lucky, someone good's passing through. And then, I mean, Meatloaf was the bouncer, so like I'd love to go to that club. The gas works. Yeah. And then they, uh, 
music store. Search for whatever like cheap thrills they can get once that uh, club is closed. In that case, lying down as airplanes pass over them. That sounds pretty dope. It seems pretty dope. Although I feel like it would hurt your ears like hell. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the kind of thing growing up. Did you grow up in the suburbs as well? Yeah, I, I grew up in the uh, suburbs. So, so you know, like, you're just... Um, not, not like, like suburbs, a, suburbs? Yeah, the, ours are more like... Um, not quite like made for cars like you can you don't have to go like too far to find something mm -hmm. you kind of like i have to go like into like london like okay. the suburbs of london greater london mm. so if i want to go to like the really good stuff i can go into london but like okay uh, i'm not i wasn't i didn't drive until i was 30. oh wow yeah no i had to i had to drive at 16 to get to school you know new york city was a two and a half is a two and a half hour train ride from where i grew up oh. so we were like uh, we were like a county up from like it's new york city I, I think it's in westchester i don't know i know westchester is right next to new york city so it's that and i think putnam and then duchess i'm in duchess so we're like up there you know we had ibm and then ibm came out so it's kind of just a shell of a town at this point mm -hmm. it's like a shell of an area yeah but yeah the only thing we had to do besides the mall was walmart mall closed we you were just grasping at straws you went to walmart at 3 a.m because you couldn't sleep because you were 17 and had nothing to do on friday night you couldn't drink no and they had they had age restrictions at the mall so after certain times on like friday saturday sunday if you were under 18 you had to be accompanied by an adult or a security guard so half the time we were trying to sneak in there anyway you know and that's where i saw a lot of movies because the only other things around were movie theaters well that's kind of like why i wanted to like uh talk about this whole like diy subcultures and uh why it's important for wayne's world because there's a kind of like disenfranchisement a very subtle disenfranchisement in living in a boring area where things aren't made for you and you can't really exactly. see past it you can't see honestly you can't see the world outside of it especially growing up the way I did. You, you don't see anything. My parents used to say, don't go down to the city by yourself. It's dangerous, this, this, that, and the third. And I've been down there and it's like, this Manhattan gives a shit. Like, it's not as bad as they said, but you never I mean, see life outside the mall. Chicago's got like a wild like reputation. Oh, yeah. I assume that Wayne and Garth probably like grew up with the same thing. You wouldn't. Like it's over yeah. an hour away, they could be going to see like all kinds of like Chicago like punk bands. But oh you know, my god. Told, told to stay away. That reminds me, when I was 16, I wanted to go down to Brooklyn to see The Offspring, my first concert ever. My parents oh, yeah. go, no, no, you're gonna, you're gonna mosh, you're gonna make somebody mad, they're gonna stab you outside of the thing. Why don't you go see Metallica? Because they were playing at the at the garden or something and i'm like you're gonna send me to metallica but you're afraid of me moshing at the offspring but you know it's that's one of those it's one of those things you know like brooklyn's just bad it's just bad that that's it you don't go you can go here and see a crazier show because it's safe but again this is coming from a conservative house so people in my area may not have gotten the same thing but i was very like i did not know about life outside of you know outside of Fishkill for until I went to college. Yeah, so I went down to the city to see my eye doctor. That was it. <laughs> this club, though, the gas works. It seems like seems pretty cool. Like you said, um, oh, yeah. 
Meatloaf's the bouncer, and Wayne and Garth are kind of like a big deal. They get line cut privileges. Yeah. Like, how cool get, is that? Pure, people I, say hello to them all over town. And it's all like local celebrities. Around their age, look like them. They'll watch the show. They're always saying the catchphrases at them. You know, Party! Kind of, they're kind of like people pull, in a local band or. Yeah, they pull up on them in the car in that one scene and they're like, oh shit, it's Wayne and Garth. It's all those, like, you know, very stereotypical 90s hot girls and they're all like, yeah, woo, party, like, you know, like you see on a beach scene. You know, I just realized, like, um, what Wayne's world is kind of like supposed to, like, uh, what tradition of talk shows it's supposed to come from. I think it's supposed to come from Letterman, isn't it? That I couldn't tell you. I was not big on, like, talk TV. I, I couldn't even watch that. It was bad. Yeah, it's bad. But, like, Letterman, he kind of, like, had that, like, uh, even though he's, like, very big, popular, mm-hmm. he was kind of, like, just like an outsider, kind of, like, dunked in this guest. It was kind of, like, wild, like, disrespectful and stuff like that. Flew by the seat of his pants. Yeah. I mean, they were, like, he proper, like, a... Uh, late night talk show they like just throw stuff off the roof of the studio sometimes <laughs> i've seen a few things on uh like i've watched a few videos of, like bands on letterman especially like i didn't know the vines played on there and that was wild mm. you know like by all by all rights that you know they should have gotten i wouldn't say they should have gotten booed because i thought it was awesome in hindsight but at the point like you know you wouldn't think that you'd see that on like talk show tv at night no you know, yeah, he, he tried to appeal, and I think he did appeal to, like, kind of the younger crowd with things like that, because he had a mix. As I understand, he had, like, a mix of different guests, and I've seen some of, like, guests that I'm interested in on Letterman and stuff, but, like, you know, you know like I was saying, they brought a lot of, like, um, a lot of contemporary bands on there. You yeah. know, I'm pretty sure Rodney Dangerfield was on there, too, so he went between the old school and kind of tried to connect to the next generation. Which, you know, I agree. It's a Letterman style. But like uh, during the 80s, when he started off, he would wild out on his guests. Really? Like he'd get in, like, a, like just like be like insulting them, mocking them, mocking the structure of a show. And uh, oh, beautiful. Yeah. I think he did. He start off on public access too? Um, he did not, but he like. I'm uh, just playing around. <laughs> I think he started Sometimes on radio. I think he started on radio okay. or something like that. He seems like he'd be a great radio personality. Yeah. I think just the way he carried himself. Yeah. And okay. uh, let's, let's get into like uh, the gas Please. works. Uh, you should have, uh, like, uh, would your parents have felt better if you went to uh, see the offspring kitted out with your own makeshift taser like Garth has? <laughs> No, 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 because it's illegal. My father was a state trooper, so it was illegal. Uh-huh. Yeah. So when I say Cubans are very, his parents came off the boat. Cubans are already very conservative in this country, the yes. Cubans that are here. And that's a whole thing I can go into, but I don't want to like cut up the time. So it was that my mom's Irish Catholic and he's a cop. So like, yeah, I'm, I, I'm getting, it's a, it's a, Rich tapestry. I'm, I'm getting some ideas. I bought a I bought a knife, and my dad was like, "You better not carry that around." 
it's just, it's just a pocket knife. I thought it was cool. You know what I mean? So it's, I have this, I don't want to say a unique few, but definitely not one that many people have. But with a taser like that, not even. But I'd feel safe. I'd feel fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, you like when you go see it, they go to Alice Cooper later, you actually see him like rocking the taser again. It's like, I don't know if I know. Okay, because it's that's like a darker scene. My eyes are terrible, so I wouldn't uh, have like okay. seen that in the dark light. Uh, I could look for that next time, but yeah, I, no, I missed it. Good context. The first, I, I only just like picked it up again when I was watching it yesterday. I was like, he's got the taser again. <laughs> I, I mean, I could see why after that big dude with the jerry curl. Yeah. And uh, Crucial Taunt, they're a hard rock band. They're not like... They're, not they're, like cool, they're cool enough. They're like... Uh, I wouldn't be like, go out of my way to like listen to them if they were a real band, unless I was like... I'd see them as an opener. I, I would see myself like if I was a teenager, very much like... Uh, yeah, oh, local well, band. They've got, they've got a local band with the Mega Babies. Uh, no, <laughs> Who would not want to go to that? I'm not, I'm not made of stone. Like I listened to like some <laughs> bands just because I thought like a member was hot. So yeah, that's me with Nightwish. Honestly, oh, yeah, yeah. I've seen. That <laughs> before, yeah. Oh really? With this yeah. newest singer or while back? Uh, original Tasha, whatever she's. Okay. Now the yeah. the new one is the one I got the crush on, the really really tall one. Oh, okay. I've not been keeping uh, up. Yeah, but I see the pictures and I'm like, all right, I'll go back to listen to them. But I don't like their new music. I like their old music, but oh. then yeah, I just imagine it's the new song. <laughs> Fun. So uh, <laughs> Cassandra. I'm easy to please. Cassandra of Crucial Taunt. Um, apparently, like Mike Myers, like very consciously wanted to have an Asian love interest because mm-hmm. not for like, a, well, he <laughs> says not for weird reasons. He not said, to fetishize. He said uh, because he's from Toronto, which is like a diverse area. Mm-hmm. And he noticed that like um, a lot of Asian women in film were kind of like, there weren't many of them when they were, they're like just a very specific, like a uh, timid type of person. So he kind of like mm-hmm. wanted to like add change. And there's like some like strange aspects of Cassandra, but like she's pretty cool. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a bit like weird for it randomly, like no like karate, but it's cool when she just slams two dudes. It's cool when she's like shaking <laughs> down the club owner for money and taking care of her business. Exactly. If that was a male, if that was a male uh, character, then it just be, oh, of course, the Chinese guy knows karate. Of course, yeah. you know he's shaking them down. But it's nice to see like a strong woman who can defend herself, especially like in '92. There wasn't, there weren't as many characters like that. This is like, before you know, Buffy. Characters like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But after uh, Star Wars and Princess, Le- as I really think Leia paved the way for, for like strong female leads like that who could take care of themselves yeah and also she's like um she's she's kind of like she's like strong for like herself but she's also like in like a weird like industry and stuff so she's not like yeah. um doesn't like need wayne <laughs> no she doesn't <laughs> that's the thing like, i think that the wayne like like 
basically kind of like prove kind of tries to like prove his value to him like his first like attempts at getting with her a bit like uh learning learning cantonese which apparently like, like mike myers already knew how to speak really yeah tia oh, Carrere did not know how to speak it that's interesting i didn't know that <laughs> yeah but what i what i think is interesting about cassandra too is that like she's an underdog within an underdog within an underdog she's a female in the rock industry mm. she is a what you would call foreign she's she's not a white woman in the industry and she plays counterculture music yeah so like you know the you'd think what it would take her to even get to where she was you know a lot of independence like you said so wayne's just kind of hey you're fun let's keep you around yeah, because she's kind of like, um, kind of like like grinding away at it as well. Like, I oh, think yeah. they're kind of driven to be like in like Wayne and Cassandra, kind of like in like similar positions, just in different like a uh, entertainment business, different mediums, different mediums. So uh, let me take a look. Oh, she's they're holding like gigs just to, like pay their rent. Yeah, it's like the back when you could do that. Yeah. <laughs> is the gig held where they live? It's like kind of like in a warehouse, right? Like yeah, see, that's what I've wondered. Cause I know, yeah, that's what I've wondered. Is it like, do they live in the loft and there's enough space for band practice? If so, how much is the rent? Because if they can do that as a local band, where can I find that rent? I but, think it is, because when like Wayne like- I've leaves, never really known. When Wayne leaves her place, he's leaving to what very much appears to be like a loading dock. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, when he's walking out, yeah. Okay, yeah, I never I never thought about whether it was or not. I always had, like, figured, you know, because it, it's like our loft. So I imagined, like, the band lived there in their own separate areas, maybe. Yeah, I think it's like, you see the way it's, like, divided up is, like, bead, uh drapes and doors like, bits of like a strategically placed like petition like a material and stuff rather than like, yeah. set out rooms actually when they're in her room when they're breaking up if what i'm seeing is proper like you, you're really seeing like those top windows of like you'd see in a warehouse you know like the mm -hmm. uh, the roof portion the, where you can like walk out onto the roof they have the windows that show up right there so yeah. It's entirely possible. Maybe I mean, it could maybe be like a, could be like a larger like a space, which yeah, a lot of bands like kind of like able to like kind of like group together and then like rent out that way and like art collectives yeah. in such places as well. Yeah, that's why I was wondering: is it a place they rent for practice, or is it a place they live that they use to practice? But uh, it's maybe a little A, maybe a little B. So, uh, get drunk, you stay there. Let's talk about the villain, Benjamin. <laughs> Just like Benjamin. transparent, like a piece of work. Yeah, to us, but not to people like Wayne and Garth who are not familiar with no. the way that industry runs. You know, looking at it from the outside perspective, it's, oh, this guy's just trying to pump money in and take it over. When you're somebody like Wayne and Garth, who's, oh, this guy wants to pay us to do the thing we love. Like, and, you know, they basically say it just like that. Well, he's a guy who's, like, yeah. constantly, like, selling himself. 
he does mm. all like these manipulating things. He makes Noah think buying the show is his idea. Mm. He makes, uh, you know, he just like imitates people's ideas back to them, flatters. Yeah. It's very slimy. And, oh, that's you know, a great idea. <laughs> and you came up with it by yourself. I do <laughs> like um, that producer that they have because the producer, like, in their. What is his name? They only say his name a Russell. couple of times. Russell, okay. Russell. Because he, like, he's kind of, like, seems as snaky as Benjamin, but he's, like, mm. kind of in it for the art. He's, like, he's, the, un, he's the unwitting participant because he doesn't, it seems he doesn't have, like, the confidence. Like, when yeah. he and Garth had that talk at the end, it's, like, mm. breaking away from somebody who's just forcibly taking you under their wing. <laughs> yeah, he comes off, like, you know? brainwashed. Yeah, he's like, more or less. He's very proud of like having like done his like work for the African American Digest. Yeah, the African American Digest. The fact that Russell kind of like absorbs like characteristics from the people around him like later on makes me wonder how he acted when he was making the African American Digest. Oh my God, <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> what was the style back then? Um, Big clocks. Fresh prints. Though I think Fresh like uh, African American Digest probably isn't like MTV raps. I think it's more like. No, I wouldn't think so. It'd be like an intellectual show. But he seems so, like the kind of guy. Benjamin uh, or. Like Benjamin Russell. seems like the kind of guy. But yeah, Russell's one. I thought you were talking about like Benjamin working on it with him. And I'm thinking mm -hmm. Benjamin would just see the biggest things and yeah. he'd have like the fade and the clock. You know, like yeah. a gold cap on his tooth, you know, just basically flavor Flav. Hat to the side. You know? I can imagine <laughs> him watching that. <laughs> and uh, so they have the uh, rent party. Wayne impresses her with her Cantonese, which mm. with his Cantonese, he's also managed to adopt a... Uh, wide range he's able to talk about philosophy <laughs> yeah well it's, there's that one part where like he stops and like the yeah. subtitles just keep going and he goes i thought that was a funny break too yeah and like the fourth wall because like you see him clearly like, but apparently he, like apparently he is speaking cantonese and he's just like mm -hmm. deliberately like over enunciating everything to make it yeah. seem like it's very awkward in his like mouth like Especially the first scene you see him doing it, where he's like shouting it, shouting it. He's got yeah. the uh, oh yeah, the headphones on. Yeah. That scene, like uh, when they're like at the garage, is also like part of the motivation for him to take the thing because living in the suburbs, owning a car, very expensive. I found out recently. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, like they have to spend like like nearly fifty bucks just like on something for their car, and that's why they're kind of like. Yeah, well, it depends what it is for the car. Changing our oil, changing my oil is seventy dollars, or eighty, something like that. Unless I do it myself, but you know I don't have the tools here, and I'm not driving forty minutes to my dad's house to do it. You know, because he's got the tools. But but yeah, it's it's expensive. I wouldn't maybe maybe more so back then just by the way because like wages have stagnated here for a long time mm. so like 
Now it'd probably be more expensive now, but somebody like Wayne and Garth, anywhere they went, you'd think where they'd be working, they'd still be struggling to keep it doing everything they can. Just barely passing inspection, for example. You know, like that's kind of a a frequent thing for people who don't have the money to keep the, you know, to keep their cars up to date. And it's like, like, what's that? What's that car called? It's called like a Pacer or something. It's a strange little car. Oh, the, the blue one with the flames. I, I don't know much about cars, so I couldn't tell you. Yeah. I know they have five wheels and go straight. Four wheels, steering wheel. So the, you know, they end up like uh, Benjamin just kind of like sweeps into their lives. They are very impressed, and like Wayne thinks he's onto like something big. So of course he wants to spread the wealth immediately, and tries to get like uh, Cassandra involved as well. Oh, of course, is unwittingly the person who vouches for Benjamin, who yeah. uh, tries to work his way between them. It's the the perfect example of predatory executive. Yeah. And uh, once they start, like, uh, having, like, the new show, the way it's, like, the new channel, new budget, it is Mm -hmm. kind of, like, instantly, like, very surreal, like... uh, Just changed up. Like, Garth is looking at it, has, like, just kind of, like, a weird, like, (laughs) hyper-real simulacrum experience. Uh, Party on! Party on, Garth, I guess. Yeah. The mock-up of the uh, basement, which is already a mock-up of a Saturday Night Live sketch, never was a real basement. They're always getting into strange territory here. What I thought, what I thought was funny too, is how, is how like the other, the the other producer, Russell, how Russell mentions, you know, they can smell phony the. Target audience can oh. smell phonies a mile away. And the second this show starts, it's like on the big channel. It's just everything about it's phony right away. And it's just, you know, like, do you, like, Benjamin, do you listen? Do you understand? And then that's why they're so, like, taken aback because they don't want any changes. And, well, you know, Benjamin owns the show. So, and like, Benjamin tries to, like, appeal to them as, like, art, serious artists, but... Yeah, uh, Russell, he seems to give like the target audience of like Heshers and Slackers like a lot more credit. Like, and yeah. the idea of like posers is like kind of like uh, it's just kind of like you know people like just like being bitchy towards each other. But there have been like yeah. various like attempts to like uh, get into like these subculture circles and have them like mm-hmm. advertise to them. Yeah. And that's at a massive scale now because uh, for like a lot of people who are like uh, young, they're like mm. micro celebrity that they like and consider mm. like a peer. The SoundCloud rappers, for example, are a great, great yeah. example. But are also influencers. They explicitly are people <laughs> trying to like get you to pick up on trends and like lead you in a direction mm. and buy something. And they love it. Like, uh, yeah, it out makes isn't considered makes a big money. deal now. But that's the thing: is do they even know it's selling out though? Because oh, I'm just you know I'm Instagram famous. I'm just famous. Just be you know I don't think some of them realize that they're shills. 
because just like, oh, this company gave me some free makeup. You know, I want them to see my face, so I'll tag them. I'll do whatever. So I don't think they realize it's selling out the same way like Green Day probably realized it when they, you know, you know, put out. I don't want to say American Idiot was their sellout album. They've sold out three times already by then. That's kind of right. Yeah, don't take it seriously anymore. Yeah, but like that's the thing is when you see, honestly, when you look at it from the outside, it's easy to see where people sell out. But I think a lot of them are just like, wow, I'm making money to do something I love. And they don't realize till it's too late. Like, oh, you know, holy shit, I abandon everything I believe in for the money. Wayne Campbell explicitly says that. Like, uh, he mm-hmm. says that he'd like to do the show for a living. And that means, like, bringing in, like, uh, sponsors and stuff. And... Yeah. There's a difference between local sponsors and big sponsors, you know? And I do like uh, how when they're, like, playing, like, a street hockey... They how they describe like Benjamin's new influence is he wants us to be liked by everyone. Did Led Zeppelin make yeah. songs everyone liked? No, they mm-hmm. had the Bee Gees for that. They left that for the Bee Gees. <laughs> and it's yeah. I mean, it's exactly, basically. That's all and that's the problem. What they what they liked was being, you know, was being liked by the people who liked what they were into. They didn't like the idea of being thrown out into the public eye like that their yeah, pride was the, in there the freedom to like clown and adults they don't like <laughs> quite like take to uh to, to noah. Uh, noah not at all noah obviously hit his idea of youth appeal is uh saying come bust a move where the games are played it's chill it's fresh it's noah's arcade and then he does a b-boy stance yes <laughs> They honestly couldn't have gotten a better actor to do it either. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> perfect. I honestly, I had seen him first in uh, Christmas Vacation, so like when I saw him again in Wayne's World, I was just like, oh. And I only learned recently that's Bill Murray's brother. But uh, but yeah, I feel like I liked it though that when they were still like lampooning him on the new show, the people in the. Um, whatever the hell that the control room is. They were all like laughing. They were even enjoying it. Mm. But, you know, the people who stood anything to lose, Benjamin, even if I remember correctly, didn't Russell even like, like laugh at it a little bit, but it was really Benjamin that he was the only one. When they do the show proper, Mm -hmm. like the second time they're trying to do the show proper and that's like what gets them like uh, kicked off is that he like... uh, they give him the cards, like everything is. Yeah. Like, it's kind of funny that they're like complaint. Uh, movies like uh, saying, oh, like they're trying to control every aspect of it, but it's a movie put out by Lorne Michaels. Yeah. Notorious <laughs> control freak. Uh, yeah. He's like. But look what he's built. Known for like banning like punk bands for like random, like hating anyone who improvises. Fear. Fear. You know, you know Elvis about Costello. when he banned Fear. Yeah, I've seen. Did he that. ban Elvis Costello? Really? Elvis Costello is banned for playing like a different song. For some reason, I thought that was some other show. No, no. Either way, but that's that's kind of like Elvis Costello. Like that's pretty tame. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Oh, and um, recently, uh, the are you familiar with Phoebe Bridgers? Yeah. How she got, yeah, she got banned off of there too. And like, that's again, pretty tame music. So, Lauren, 
uh, well, you know, I'm sure he would have banned John Belushi for bringing fear on if he wasn't the main, like the biggest star attraction at the time. Mm. Pretty sure he would have kicked him right off the show. So that's a good point. So uh, while we're at this point, let's talk about when um, they're trying to talk, like uh, to like Wayne and explain like, this is the way that things are going to be now. Talking about like advertisements, the famous scene mm. where um, just it's just like layers to it. There's like the product placement scene. Like there's a the fact is is um, if I could compare it to something, it'd be like. Josie and the the pussy cats. Where, yes, they've got the real brands in there, but it's mm. deliberately ugly and jarring. Yeah. And it like they're doing the same thing they did to Noah on that second taping of the show. But and it's like taking you out of it. It's taking you bit, out of yeah. the experience once you realize you've been sold to. Like, mm. ironically, um, obviously they're doing the, all the product things. It's a bit like I assume got paid in non-ironic money yeah but uh and that, also that changed how advertising was done because i remember have you heard of something called mac and me yes mm, the i've heard of mac and me and <laughs> et ripple <laughs> that's what product placement was beforehand yeah it was very it was very heavy-handed yeah so like 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 you um i agree with you i think that scene was a real like was really not so much an eye opener, but kind of like, you know, a smack in the face. Like this is what advertising is. It's basically throwing it in your face. It's stupid. You gotta be more subtle. Even if they're subtle, it still smacks you in the face. But like you said, not as heavy handed. Do you know what is truly ironic though? You tell me. I don't know if uh, Pizza Hut, Pepsi, Reebok, got like any more increased sales but i do know one product that absolutely did have a massive increase in sales after this mm. copies of bohemian rhapsody <laughs> that's art that makes absolute sense too a product but it went back up into the charts but but it's it's art mm. but it's still like, it's featured in it and got sold and the sales increases. And they needed to pay to have it done. They needed to pay to use it anyway, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. And so it's. But it's not considered villainous. It's kind of considered a great moment in like a Queen's well, I, later career because uh, I think the vibe around Queen was kind of like early 90s. Very sad. Freddie Mercury was dying horribly. And yeah, I think he died in 91. He died just before the movie came out. Yeah, I believe. but but the the thing I see about that is the one thing I'd I'd challenge on that is like they had to pay to use Bohemian Rhapsody, mm. so they didn't make any money using Bohemian Rhapsody. No. They made money using Pizza Hut, Pepsi, Reebok, so on and so forth. Mm. So they boosted, you know, they boosted sales of something, but they didn't yeah. make money to boot what they boosted the sales of cost mm. them money. It didn't make them money. Well, it's kind of like the paradox think, of the Sex Pistols. Everyone. <laughs> bags on the sex pistols because they're designed to sell clothes no one bags yeah. them because they're as much because they're designed to sell records yeah because it's the image that's why they were put together was for the image yeah well like yeah. the fashion was 
fashion can be kind of like an art project as much as music. Oh yeah, DIY and clothes has always been a big, a big like artsy thing that the punk scene has done. Yeah, well, because of the sex pistol. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, uh, look, uh, you'll never, you'll never hear me admit it. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Well, it's like the reason like uh, these discussions usually turn into people just kind of like pointing fingers rather than trying to get down to like what's truly at the bottom on it. Yeah, it was the Ramones, it was the Sex Pistols, it was this, it was that. It's just, who cares who started it? It's music, as uh, Matthew Steve-O said so eloquently. And uh, have you seen SLC Punk? Or? I have seen SLC Punk. So, yeah, okay, so. Matthew yeah, Lillard. But you're right, it's consistent, like, especially in the scene, it's just consistent finger pointing, you know, your favorite guy did it first. You know, yeah. this guy who sucks, nah, fuck, you know. So it's, it's an interesting point also. So, um, Benjamin, like, uh, later on, he kind of, like, continues his, like, uh, oh, fuck it up, I'm going to call it a seduction. Seduction of like her. That's exactly friend. what it is. Also, like a attempted, attempted seduction of Wayne and Garth to pull the wool over the eyes. He like dazzles both of them with like his wealth and stuff. Like, but I think Cassandra sees through him much quicker than Wayne and Garth do. Garth, because like sees well, through Garth, him but doesn't know what to right. do about it. He like uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. He like remember him like going around the Bay Blair. <laughs> super impressed that like Benjamin owns things like condoms and yeah and how to meet women I know like you don't what, what do you what was it he said like was, he, he called it he called it something or another like you don't this isn't where a place where you bring your girlfriend you know where you bring your girlfriend like, yeah you know. <laughs> And then the condoms, even like the rib for her play, you know that. If you look at that, that's essentially another ad. They don't do, they don't give it the name, but it's it's Trojan. We all we all know it's Trojan. Yeah, I think like Benjamin is like kind of like considered to be like more of an adult than yeah. his like success. That's kind of like the big Gen X thing is that they're kind of like like millennials various factors kind of stop them like fully like being proper adults yeah because now it's there's not as much a push to be the straight lace suit and tie wearing successful person you know wayne and garth are supposed to be much i imagine supposed to be a pretty pretty decent gap in age from benjamin so benjamin would probably be the Wayne and Garth would probably be Gen Xers, right? I have a hard time yeah. figuring, like, figuring out who would be what. So he would probably be prior generation, not, not the boomers. Boomers would be too far back. I think it's like kind of like late Gen confusing because I believe um, Wayne, oh, Mike Myers and Dana Carvey were at late 20s and uh, early 30s when they made this. And the characters <laughs> are kind of like ageless. I'm trying to think what age... Rob Lowe, he would have even been for real at the time. He's 58 now, unless he's like, unless he's meant to be somebody roughly their age, but just a completely different, different breed. You can call it just like showing the 
showing like the dichotomy of how people can grow and what they can turn into. Considering he's literally Mike Myers' age, but Wayne's supposed to be, I believe, like younger. I think they're supposed to be early 20s. He's maybe like still young, still like dynamic. More like a early 30s, maybe. Early 30s. So like late boomer, early Gen X. I imagine that Wayne and Garth are like the the later later half of the Gen X. Yeah. I, again, I don't know where they start and end. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's very confusing. By the time you get to Wayne's World too, and they're much older. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's like oh about- shit, you went- talk about whatever you want. Oh, uh, Karen, were you going to say something? I was just going to say, it's like you watch Wayne's World 2, and it's like, oh, wow, man, that's a rough 26 now. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you were 22, yeah, 22 in the show, because I don't know how mm. how far between, like, in the universe, Wayne's World 1 and 2 mm. are from each other, but the the age the age was much more noticeable in the second one. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, they seemed more like uh, Mr. Burns when he tries mm-hmm. to go to pretend to be like the student to go to the school to get hello, uh, hello the kids. Yeah, exactly the same kind of thing. When you watch the second one, that's literally what they look like. <laughs> so, um, one of the things I wanted to talk about, like with uh, selling out and like how it relates to like how fans and influence and stuff interact now is that they're also just like it's kind of implied that like Noah's Arcade is like a full-on like scam and now like uh people who kind of operate in like a similar like way of like uh Wayne and Garth have been able to like produce like a show interact with the audience directly uh but also they get feedback and can like talk to them and you think they'd like give them like more like empathetic like relationships some cases it does but also like yeah. um some people are openly scamming oh yeah like uh, like you've seen plenty of influencers just sending things out hey send me free stuff and i'll tag you yeah. like uh, what, the, what the hell is that gonna do for me i read like you're gonna uh, tag me for it read an article by uh, matt binder and it just talks about people who like um members of phase clan who are like, you know, car mm. gamers. They like literally um, plugged various like uh, cryptocurrencies that were rug pulls. <laughs> Do they really? Yeah. I don't watch many like like gaming channels like that, so I didn't know they did. That's There's like odd, right? Talking their fans into signing up for scams, either because they're paid to, because mm. I directly benefit from like the rug pull. <laughs> it's just yeah. <laughs> A world like the state of affairs nowadays, and since that article, I'm going to put like a a link to it in the notes. Since that came out, everything's kind of like escalated. Everyone's trying to sign you up to some kind of like NFT, some kind of scam. Yeah, there's some so many people of them are now. true believers. Some people are just kind of pushed into it by their agents for like money. <laughs> Look, I don't have right. I don't have real money. Why the hell am I gonna buy fake money? That's <laughs> worth whatever somebody decides day to day. I know a dollar is still going to be, a, it may not have the same buying power, but it's still a dollar. A Bitcoin, or a Bitcoin or Dogecoin or whatever the hell they do now, like, you know, it's not a dollar, it's a Bitcoin. So you pay $500 for a Bitcoin or however much now, 
or a quarter of a Bitcoin or whatever. And then suddenly it's worth like 300. It, you know, it, the, it's not the same thing as like the buying power of a dollar. It's not hard money. So they're, they're selling they're It's another kind of gambling, I guess. They're, they're selling another gamble. I don't like to gamble. Gambling adverts themselves are like wild nowadays, aren't they? Like, yeah. It's kind of like, I was like looking at trends and advertising no, not like from like the papers or anything, just like what was on the radio at the time. And it went from like um, investing software mm. around about the GameStop thing. Then when that got kind of cracked down, it became harder to do. Then it became crypto. And it started mm. telling people to gamble. And these, like, these gambling adverts were all the way right up until like, uh, like Christmas. And then do you know what adverts are around after that? Telling you to sell your gold again. My God, it's it's endless, I think, and I think that's I think that's a big part. I don't want to say it's a big part of you know the society around the world. I don't know what cultures like what different cultures are like in other parts of the world, but I know here, like you're you're always seeing something saying you know risk your money, you might get more, mm. you know, and in places you know where like third world countries with iPhones like ours, <laughs> mine anyway, it's like, it's just that trying, yeah, let me get more, let me get more. So we feed, you know, we feed more trust into the people, into the people selling us this potential for making more money. That's why pyramid schemes continually succeed over here. It's because the, pro the promise of potential money excites the people who don't have enough of it. And, uh, and Noah's Arcade does the same thing. Kids don't have any money. Their parents don't have a lot of money. And it's just, oh, come on. Come on, keep putting the quarters in. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. There's one, and, like, uh, big thing that I found, like, a uh, way that Wayne's World got scammed uh, as a TV show. They, uh, they mention when it airs. It's Friday night at half 11. 11. Mm. 11.30. That's right. At Wayne's World. Friday night death yeah. slot, isn't it? That I couldn't tell you, but why would you? That's like, like that's where you after the death slot. Yeah, the death slot is I... considered between like night between nine and eleven. It's usually where they don't. On Friday night. Yeah, apparently, like it's the worst for like uh, people watching TV in America. Oh well, yeah, because everybody's out. In England, it's so... a Saturday. Okay. So you say that's you saying that's like after the which means they're really trying to yeah. really trying to hammer it forward so they can bring it earlier. Hmm. But when did when did they air at the same time before they went on? I don't know if they mentioned it, but was it aired at a certain time, like a like a even later night show or like early morning show before like when it was still on public access i don't know if they when you first that. see them it's also a friday but they've got like time to like uh go to the donut shop and go like go see go out themselves yeah but it feels like so it happens at different times lives, so yeah instead of like static here it is you kind of when it's on public access i get the um i get the impression that pe that people would be like oh it's wayne's world on oh no it's on this time tonight yeah. or yeah. Oh shit! I missed it. You know, public access is like kind of wild. Like uh, just like 
what you can put on like one minute you could be watching like someone dressed in blue uh dressed like as a blue nun talking about like religion next you'd be talking someone dressed as satan and then like a american flag covering swastika so i'm just gonna like rattle through some of the plot quickly because i'm getting a bit tight for time sorry so uh, they're kind of like a they get taken to go see like uh, alice cooper Mm. alice cooper like uh, applied with drinks and experiences Alice Cooper, he's he's like great in this. Like a common show yeah. on the skit was like a they get like a, someone from a band to say like a some complicated like thing like related usually related to communism. And <laughs> they, they talk to Aerosmith about the future of USSR, <laughs> and um, he's just like rattling off, like, yeah, Milwaukee's only had like has, uh, the only American pound, but three socialist mayors. <laughs> He was like, after that later, he said he doesn't even know if it's true. <laughs> it is. Whether it is or not, he, he made it, he made it seem as so. I thought that was really funny that they, they took like the idea of heavy metal, like, oh, they're just these, you know, these brutes who make this music and they made Alice Cooper. I'm, I'm sure he's actually intellectual like that. Yeah. But like that, they kind of, they human, they humanized people like that at the same time. Well, considering he's yeah. a shock rocker as well. Yeah. But he also, like, plays golf. So, I can see in full makeup and everything. Man, you hope not. Just tournaments and stuff. Like, he's, like... Really? Yeah. Oh, good for him. The, uh... So, anyway, like, the show ends up, like, uh... Falling apart because, um... Wayne doesn't want to cooperate. He signed a very ironclad contact, contract. He ends up ditching Garth on the show, who, on their pilot, <laughs> but he managed, yeah. uh, Garth, I don't know, I guess he, like, pulls through in the end anyway. He, like, is super paranoid to a Cassandra and ends up, like, pissing her off. He, like, ends up, like, losing his show, losing his friend, and then he just, like, unloads on the camera. <laughs> and then the camera... They start to walk away. Yeah, it's find it funny, like, a... Like, I can't lose my audience. That's all I have left. That's the bad thing about selling out is if you alienate your audience. They might, like, yeah. this is what I signed up for and just stop watching. Exactly. That was... I'm trying to think. I know, I know there's at least a few bands, like bands specifically, that that's happened for, that's happened for for me. For the longest time, I liked Green Day up until, I mentioned them again, up until American Idiot. And I only discovered American Idiot a few years ago. Because all I'd heard was Boulevard of Broken Dreams. And Time, time of Your Life was on there too, wasn't it? No. No? So I hate that song too. <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, like, like you said, the, the audience is the last thing they have. And I think that's a really good, it's a really good point that they make. You know, when you sell out and all the art, you know, the artist walks away, everything falls apart. Because oh, it's a gamble, like... Green Day were yeah. able to like keep growing and growing and growing. Yeah. So therefore, it like didn't matter. Like people get tired of some things like yeah. that. That's why fandoms fall off. So. Some people like a uh, because it's a big stigma, and they're very lucky to be able to rebound. I'm trying to think. Um, I think the last like punk band that got really like savaged for it, but were able to like come back and reestablish was I think it's against me. Because people treated yeah. them like they were like uh, like the mm-hmm. devil. I did not like white crosses at all. 
But um, Transgender Dysphoria Blues was great. It was. It was really, really good. Yeah. So um, Wayne and Garth, they form a plan to like, uh, the plan is to get Cassandra signed mm. and uh, away from Ben. Like f the first thing is they like uh, try and connect up all these satellites to beam into some guy's limousine. To, like, yeah, which is which is crazy to think about, you know, I don't want to say people like Wayne and Garth, but essentially, you know, the layman having access to this technology at this point mm -hmm. that you'd think was mostly reserved for like big budget, big budget studios and things, mm -hmm. you know, news channels and what. Yeah. I think they joke about like how complex it is and they're able to yeah, a little bit. It's almost two weeks. <laughs> and it's um, got like nine different steps. And then, um, then Wayne decides to try and like win back Cassandra at the uh, video shoot, and Ben is just trying to be like a ridiculous like director, very like, which is kind of weird because everyone on set was like horrible to Penelope Spiros. <laughs> <laughs> were they? Well, were they really? Oh, uh, basically, sad. like um, she basically like had a horrible time filming this. Mike Myers had a horrible time because I think his dad was dying. So he's like in a horrible mood all the time. And they mm -hmm. just like fought over everything. They, apparently everything had to be like reshot, like each person's like set away. Oh, and they wow. weren't even like sure if it's going to like properly like be like a, uh, a proper film. Like it was so, uh, yeah. come together. Some stuff that, uh, the, the weird things, because like, uh, you know, when they're driving around listening to Bohemian Rhapsody, Mm. They like, fought with each other huge over that. Like, Penelope Spheres insisted on the headbang, which is like, can't yeah. But uh, obviously, Mike and Dana hated it because they fucked their necks. <laughs> and it really hurt. That's why they're always like, turning around, like, full on, because they're like, they just got sore necks. Like that. <laughs> uh, Mike Myers, he argued really, really heavily to include Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay. A song he liked from his childhood. Uh, Penelope wanted them to be more like proper metalheads, so like she went mm -hmm. for like wanted Welcome to the Jungle. Really? Yeah. That would have been that would have been interesting. It would have been like a very different thing. Like, yeah, um, they had a horrible time of it. Like, I don't think like she forgave uh, Mike Myers until um, Austin Powers came out. Says, okay, the guy's like talented, yeah, he's has vision, but the. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, like, I think was kind of, like, established them as kind of, like, you know, like, nerdy. Yeah, but it's, it's interesting that the two of them fought for separate things, and those two things came together in this iconic image. They worked very well together and didn't even know it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like, too late for the relationship. It's, like, a <laughs> Unfortunately. Writer, and, like, she didn't do Wayne's World too. which, speaking of scams, is about um, making a music festival with no preparation. If I've like seen it like festival. once or twice. Yeah. I saw it like once, maybe twice when I was younger. I didn't like it as much, so it didn't have as much impact. In many ways, it's superior. We will never be as recognized as the original. <laughs> so the big finale is she's playing like ballroom blitz in Wayne's like a thing. They try and like distract Ben like a, uh, to a the, cavity search. It's a cavity search. And then like there's like 
three endings there's like the downer ending which is say we wouldn't do that to you scooby-doo ending and then like uh the mega happy ending where everyone becomes like a a better person they all learn a lesson it doesn't like can i say something about the scooby-doo ending why would the cops just sit there and hold the guy struggling why did they not like pull him out of <laughs> well, it's find out who he really was well, no, they pull him out, and then while he's still mad, you see him like struggling with the cops. They're just standing there with him at the end. Like, would you not bring him out to the car? Mm. I was just like, it was just like an offhand thing I'd thought about. It's stupid. I think it's just I mean, like just doing business. Yeah. Classic Scooby Doo. Yeah, and they all had to like stay on screen. Yeah. The uh, mega happy ending, which I find like she gets signed into a six album deal. Off of that one performance. But also like a six album deal. That's like seems like kind of like crushing. Right? Oh my god, yeah. A lot of money. And the guy And a lot of work. The guy who plays Mr. Big. Was also Tuddy in Goodfellas. Yes. That's true. But there's also one other thing about him. He's a record producer, isn't he? Frank DeLeo. A real like a record producer who stole money from Michael Jackson, and like sex sexually harassed like a uh, Sheryl Crow. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. I knew he was a producer. I didn't know all that though. Good lord. He, yeah. So, this seems like going yeah. from like one trap into another. I think I think I'll watch Goodfellas differently now. <laughs> now knowing think, that he's a creep. Can like a. Uh, wrap it up here i think that covered everything about the film popper now we need to decide if it goes into the uh into the get high cheering collection a very special collection first question i go through three questions is it a stoner film i think stoner adjacent personally because like a lot of it's yeah it's like it's not a movie that's about smoking weed and it's funny because they're smoking weed mm. but there's kind of that implied like the way they, yeah you know cool Being it's like that out. yeah the the act Harry acts like he's on molly the whole time saying i love you to mm. everyone I love you man they're like yeah it's uh, like it's like um i would say stoner adjacent just because like it would fit to me i'd watch it as a stoner film person would you imagine like wayne and garth smoking weed <laughs> is that a serious question that's a serious question i want to get i uh, it's very important uh, oh, i see it gets in see I'm, I'm i'm picturing like either they're completely and totally straight laced and just like that mm. or the bong is sitting right behind the couch yeah you know and because they don't explicitly smoke you can never really tell but like like you said they're friends partied out seem like they're on molly it's i feel like it's alluded to but it's not like expressly said but if i met somebody like wayne he seems like the kind of guy who would say smoke what yes. <laughs> <laughs> next question is it good is there's so much stuff we've not even covered really in this thing it's like yeah gag, it's hard to fit it in metatextual like stuff in the, the plot just like all these, and like, like we and like we'd mentioned briefly it also like there's a real world application of you know 
at least Mike Myers going from a TV star on a sketch show on Saturday night to being an international movie star. If you told me that you guys had Wayne's World before you had SNL. Yeah, once the movie got popular here, they just actually just aired like Wayne's World itself was like a short 10 minute show, like I think on Channel 4. Like, in the, like yeah, you're telling me that too. So I, I think it's, it's great that it has real world applications. Is it good? This is going to sound really pretentious, but there are different there are different kinds of good. There are things that critics pan that people love. There are things that critics love that people hate. I think because of the Rotten Tomatoes score, especially, I think I understand why the critics gave it like an eh, but I think it hit it hit the right audience. So for the audience, it's good. For the people who watch it, I think it's a really enjoyable thing if they're into that sort of thing. But it's. I don't know if you'd consider it a cult classic, but to me, it's it's sort of a cult movie. It fits, you know, a certain vibe. But I do think it's great. It's a masterpiece. It's kind of like Gen X middle brow, where they can do something like completely like stupid. They're swing jokes about bonus and stuff, yeah. and then they can just like temple. Really, yeah, then they can just really like tamper with the medium and stuff like that. It's like that middle brow, which lots of great stuff is Simpsons. Is yeah, that middle brow? it's not quite scat humor, but it's not Frasier. Beavis and Butthead. Yeah. Well, King, like, even King of the Hill, early Family Guy. Even Frasier's kind of like the kind of like postmodern middle brow because they're just doing like old like farce comedy in a. Uh, in a an intellectual medium, yeah. yeah. But, also in but it's meant to be intellectual. It's also, yeah. yeah, it's intellectual stuff. It's intellectual again in all these different ways. <laughs> and uh, come on, we're going this good, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> but it's. Do you, do you think it's good? I, I, I think it's good. I think it's a very like well made like a. Well-made. Do you think it belongs in the collection? Well, I usually like the guests to like uh, decide. Well, I give you my answer. I I think it does. Oh yeah, go ahead. Sorry. There's a third uh, criteria, the get criteria, which is kind of like social and political importance. Now, I've Mm. already told you my argument for this, which is that I have kind of made my own like a unofficial like '90s trilogy of what I call the pre-internet culture saga. Bill and Ted is kind of like these kind of like ordinary-ish people who have the ability to search information. A little doofy, but yeah. And it, and it like revolutionizes their lives, much like mm-hmm. how internet access potentially could have hackers gets kind of like a, the ability to inflict like real world change as like an activist into like regular people's yeah. hands and in this film like technology in this case public access and free speech mediums puts um celebrity into like regular people's hands and it's like how they like do with that and like because they could have like gone on the show for a while until they got bored of it exactly well, because you think that's actually a good point, because if you think about it prior, you know, prior to like all this technology, giving, like you said, regular people the chance to be a celebrity, 
you know, way back when you were slow, you had to sing, you had to be able to dance, you had to be able to act. Like there was so much criteria to be famous back then. And then you, you know, you needed to get discovered with the technology the way it is now. And even at the point in Wayne's world, it was a lot easier. Fame was easier to access. You didn't need to be able to run the gamut. You just sell your personality. Mm-hmm. And that's easier and easier to do now. Podcasts is a form of it. Uh, YouTube people that like just literally just sit in front of a camera, just talk about themselves. Yeah. <laughs> Go on for ages. Like uh... Twitch even. Yeah, like there are some there are some gamers who like get paid to do Twitch. You know, you get paid to play your games and talk to people. Some like big sponsors, some just by donations, just by your fans. Yeah. So like, I think like the technology, like people thought like such like uh, changes would make kind of like more freer revolution, more like ideas we can just say whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, but it's kind of like more and more money's got like injected into it. Yeah, but it, the money makes it more isolating too. I think, and the amount of the amount of or the ease in which you can gain internet fame has kind of it isolates people. Like I, we talked before about how it kind of forms this microcosm. You know, like um, the the uh, Elden Ring, the new From Software game. I'm playing it. But you know, yeah, people who like Animal Crossing, it's so fine. My abusive relationship with From Software will happen forever. But you get people who play, like my partner plays Animal Crossing, you know, so she's never gonna watch any of that. She's never gonna experience any of that. You know, I know people who are just into like Call of Duty. So while these streamers, while these influencers get famous, they kind of create a circle because it's more hyper fixated on a specific thing like people who like people who like you know makeup tutorials aren't going to be watching you know reviews of movies like i mean you're talking to a guy who's got a podcast that 20 people listen to that only focuses on a genre of movies which isn't really a genre of movie i've just an an unofficial genre yeah i just decided to impose a structure and what's an extremely niche genre yeah and that's what it does it creates while it's cool that technology has allowed more people to come to the forefront as themselves and shows other people that there are more folks out there around them at the same time it kind of it isolates some groups because not everybody is into stoner movies and elden ring and x and y you know you have people you have facebook groups i'm in a facebook group specifically for skyrim and that's it not for the elder scrolls just for skyrim you know and they all talk shit about morrowind and uh, whatever the hell the other ones were but then there's another one i'm in where it's like you know about all of it and not everybody crosses over like the world inferno page and uh, the tail rebellion page there's a lot of crossover but not everybody's in both so you get that, but at the same time, you have people who are only in the TLR one, you have people who are only in the World Inferno one, and they don't, it's not that they don't know the stuff outside, because that those those scenes come together pretty well, as you know, but like, where it creates, it creates unity in one area, division in another, mm-hmm. and I think, you know, the way technology has progressed, I don't want to say it's good or bad, but it does lead to you know, bad people 
realizing that there are other bad people around and suddenly yeah. there's not there's not three neo-nazis in this town there's three mm-hmm. neo-nazis in this town and then there's oh five other there you know the town over you know and all of a sudden there's eight yeah you know where if they didn't have the technology that wouldn't have been a thing so um let's uh shall we put it in the collection i think you should I th- I personally think yeah i think wayne's world's one of the ones you'd put on for a day of like how high uh what's the one with dave Chappelle? half-baked half-baked yeah like half-baked wayne's world anything that's just like i th- i think Wayne encompasses like that kind of vibe personally that just, yeah, man, rock on. You know, that's kind of just kind of the vibe you get from all those movies that every single one of those characters at some point or another. Well, it's like you kind of get hanging out with your friends experience from like watching those Mm -hmm. films, like you would by like participating in all these like uh, consuming podcasts or Twitch streams or whatever. Vegging out essentially. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's. Uh, I think you should put it in. Excellent. I will uh, have to do something special with every single like uh, film that enters the collection. Let me think. Well, what shall I do with uh, my copy of Wayne's World? You should frame it and put it on the wall. <laughs> no. Like they do with a gold record. <laughs> I don't do that, so then you can't watch it. I'm going to put it into the collection by putting on, like, my uh, street hockey gear, getting a big old <laughs> hockey stick and just sliding it right into it and hope there's, like, the street is not too busy that yeah. day. Yeah. Hope Garth isn't on the... Or just <laughs> hope Garth is on the, on goalie that time. Okay. Um, All right. This is wrapping up. Do you have, like, anything you want to plug or anything? Eh, not specifically. I don't show for nothing. I'm doing this because I like Wayne's World. Cool. You know? Excellent. Uh, no ulterior motive other than, you know, if you want to discover me. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, Jimmy. It was a fun talk. Thank you for having me. Like, uh, Likewise. This has been uh, the Get High Tyrion Collection. If you want to email us, find us online. It's uh, usually at T-H-E-G-H-C-P-O-D. That's our email address. It's thegghcpod at gmail.com. You might need Twitter. to send that to me because my memory is garbage. <laughs> it's okay. I'll, I'll get it to you. Uh, I've got music online at uh, stanfield.bandcamp.com. Stanfield Bandcamp. That's where I keep all my Fuck Nordic Vibes for Stanfield, all those projects. Oh, what kind of music do uh, Fuck Nordic Vibes is black metal. Uh, Stanfield is kind of like sludge metal. Oh, cool. Send me that, too. I'd like to check it out. Talk about your, like, niche, like, uh, deal. Uh, I play folk punk music, so we're... (laughs) I used to. This uh, this has been great. I I could talk about, like, Wayne's World and, like... uh, Forever, I know, right? Well, you got to, like, somewhere. Unfortunately. I'll see you back uh, for the podcast for Wayne's World 2. Oh, more. The search for more followers. (laughs) <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> thanks for coming on. Absolutely, thanks for having me. Right